This is Gil Manser, welcoming you to Word by Word Conversations with Writers on North Bay Public Media, KRCB-FM. In our quest to present writers from different genres, today's show features valuable insider perspectives on creating, writing, and shooting documentaries from filmmakers Michael Shapiro and Eric McIntyre, the co-directors of Junkyard Alchemist, a celebrated short film featuring Sebastopol's internationally acclaimed junkyard artists, Patrick Amio and Brigitte Laurent. Michael Shapiro is the author of A Sense of Place, great travel writers talk about their craft, lives, and inspiration. A collection of interviews with the world's leading travel writers, published by Traveler's Tales. His article about whales, featuring author Jan Morris, was a cover story for National Geographic Traveler and won the prestigious Bedford Pace Award. In 2016, he won the Explore Canada Award of Excellence for a magazine feature about Vancouver's sustainable seafood movement. He writes for national magazines, including the aforementioned National Geographic Traveler, and newspapers like the Washington Post, Los Angeles Times, and San Francisco Chronicle, where his weekly gambling column appears. In addition, Michael volunteers as a trip leader for Etc., an outfitter that takes disabled people on whitewater rafting trips and sea kayak adventures. Berkeley native Eric McIntyre has worked for many years as a real estate appraiser in Northern California and spent 10 years as a firefighter in the fire service. A certified dive master, he's an avid traveler and surfer who often ventures to Central America and Southeast Asia. Eric has been making documentaries, music videos, and short features for about a decade and was the production manager for Mountain King, which was shown at the 2016 Sonoma International Film Festival. Eric and Michael first worked together on McIntyre's documentary, Dispatches from a Far Frontier, The Life and Times of A.B. Kinney, is it? The Chronicle of a Prospector and Photographer who Left San Francisco Around 1900 to Seek His Fortune in Alaska. When Michael heard Patrick Amiot was building a full-size carousel with 44 moving junk art figures, he thought that it should be documented. So he got in touch with Eric, and they made Junkyard Alchemist, documenting the building of the carousel from its inception in 2012 at Amiot Sebastopol Studio through its completion and reassembly in the Toronto suburb of Markham in mid-2016. Michael and Eric, I'd like to welcome you to Word by Word. Thanks so much. Thank you. I just read the explanation posted on the documentary's website, including the phrase that Michael, quote, thought the building of the carousel should be documented, but there's got to be much more in this story than the old Judy Garland, Mickey Roney trope, let's put on a show. <laughs> So let us know what happened. I what inspired you? Um, well, I first met Patrick in the late 1990s when he and Brigitte moved to Sebastopol, and um, I wrote one of the first stories about him. It was in Sunset Magazine in early 2000. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was maybe 2002, and um, he had just started. He put a big fisherman in front of his house whose body was a, a boat, and then right after 9/11, he built a firefighter, all out of junk, all out of scavenged materials. And anyway, um, starting in 2007, I lived around the corner from Patrick, and we got to be friends. And I just, uh, a few years ago, said, hey, what are you working on? You know, hanging out, having a beer. And he said, oh, I'm building this carousel. I was like, carousel? He's like, yeah, it's going to have 44 of my pieces. It's the biggest thing I've ever done. It's the most challenging thing I've ever done. I said, oh, cool. Where's it going to be? People around here are going to want to ride it. And they said, well, no, it's not going to be around here. He said, I'm building it here, but then I'm going to take it apart, ship the whole thing to Toronto, a suburb of Toronto, and I said, oh, my gosh, you know, nobody's going to see it because he didn't want people around <laughs> while he was building it. Nobody's really going to know about it. So um, 
I knew I had a great story there and that people would want to share in that. And so um, Eric and I used to play in a poker game here in Sonoma County, and I knew he was a filmmaker. And I said, look, I know how to tell a story, but I don't know how to edit film and put it together and stuff like that. So I said, do you want to do this together? And he was totally up for it. Cool. So tell me, did what inspired you when you heard about this? What did you say we have to do? Uh, well, I... What's your, okay, I'll go back a step. Sure. What was the first thing you did after you talked about it? First thing I did was... About the documentary. After I said, yeah, let's do it, I, we just made a plan to go meet him. Aha, there's the word I yeah. wanted to hear. You made a plan. Yes, we made a plan. So let, <laughs> let's hear about this plan. Um, the first plan, I mean, I'm talking well, about. Well, the first plan was, well, what it, we kind of came a little late. So most of the carousel pieces were complete. Um, the the structure of the carousel wasn't. They, they hadn't done all the stuff where all the paneling and different things like that. And they <clears throat> they had just this, they had just started putting the pieces on the the carousel because they had to set it up. So they they poured this giant slab. And it, we're in Sebastopol, so. right? Yeah. Right. So, so we actually got. Um, luckily, Patrick had a friend that st- videoed all the setup of putting the structure of the carousel together. So, luckily, we were able to use some of that footage in the in the film. And um, so, yeah. So we came late. So, and <clears throat> Patrick's kind of an interesting character. If you don't, he. <laughs> Okay, let's stop there. <laughs> Patrick's an interesting character. Well, just he, far as like he was, a, uh, he he sculpted ceramic figures, and right. it was quite. A, that's where he started. I yeah. guess well known in Canada because he used to use folk, uh, music musicians, right? Well, hockey players, hockey musicians, players, right. all sorts of you know, that were well known in, in yeah. Canada. Yeah, and then he yeah. relocated to Southern yeah. California. Was it? Uh, they they were on a trip and they checked out Southern California, but they never lived there. They said, no, this is not for us. Okay. And they kept driving north, as he tells the story. They kept driving north in their motorhome after they had left Canada looking for a place to live. And they, they kind of liked Marin, but they tried to park there and nobody would let them park the mobile home anywhere. <laughs> so then they kept going north to Sonoma County and they found a home here. Yeah, okay. Sebastopol's perfect for that. Yeah, that's why we're here. Yeah. Same kind of thing. Yep, hippies yeah. and hicks. <laughs> but I just wanted to say, I mean, yeah, Patrick had definitely started on building the pieces, but we started shooting in early 2013, I believe, right? And he didn't, I mean, we had three years of shooting before he finished that thing. So. Right, no, I, I'm just saying that um, we you didn't You said we you came start, to it late, you didn't see him drawing the We didn't see the, the very no. beginning, we didn't no. see the foundation in the slab, no. but we saw him make a lot of the pieces for the carousel, which is really where the creativity Yeah, for sure. was, you know, it was so cool to, you know, watch him turn this tank into, you know, a giant mermaid or, uh, you know, some other scrap metal into a Canadian Mountie or, mm-hmm. um, you know, have his, he actually had a professional carousel builder come out and, and do the like, skeleton of the <laughs> There carousel. are professional oh, carousel yeah. builders. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You, I mean, yeah. Actually, they, the guy that um, built it actually passed away. He did. So there's like a, it's kind of, it was like his last. Uh, it was. A memorial. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. Like it was, so uh, Patrick, um, I just, I do some video stuff for him when he finishes a collection every spring so he can uh, show it to the clients in Toronto. But he did a, um, uh, like a tribute to that guy. He, he has him on. He made, he basically made the guy and put him on a carousel horse, you know, waving. <laughs> it's like kind of like a tribute to that guy, and they're they're going to put it by the carousel in Toronto. Fun, yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah Patrick's great with that kind of stuff. 
Now, um, for those listeners who don't know or think they don't know Patrick, if they've been to Sebastopol, they've probably seen his work, certainly downtown. Florence Avenue. Florence Avenue is the one that's got the most, but it's everywhere now. It's on the fire station. Mostly in Sebastopol, yeah, but all over the county, you know, in Santa Rosa. Yeah, restaurants like like, uh, Zazu Restaurant. He he did a giant pig that hangs out in the front. Right. And then just on a whim, he did a a sculpture of um, the lady that owns the place, Dusky. It's like she she shows up and there's like a a, a a version of her in his sculpture. It was crazy. Crazy. Yeah. So let's talk about him a little bit. You said he's a little bit. Uh... Oh, so yeah. So what I, going back to the, when you said we made a plan, <laughs> <laughs> filming him was it was like herding cats uh-huh. for me because he's like so all over the place and you got you just got to be and got to run and gun. He doesn't like to give you time to set up, make sure everything's. It's like you just. You just throw it together and, and chase him. It was basically chase. I, I played follow the leader and chase with him. Right. And uh, But it was great. We got a lot of great stuff because he's so good when he, he's always talking. He's got his whole philosophy going about every, everything. I mean, you've seen it. Like when he, 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 you could listen to him talk for hours and hours and hours. And he will. Yeah. yeah and, but it's all great stuff, too. Yeah. I mean, I really think we could have made a full feature. We ended up making a 17-minute short, and I still hope someday we'll do the full feature. Um <laughs> But uh, <laughs> it's a lot of work. But, uh, <laughs> this, this is the YouTube. What, you, what you need is a grant, right? Yes. yes. Yeah, so if anybody out there wants to see a full feature made of I mean, we had a couple of people who offered small donations, and we really haven't taken them up on that yet because we need, we need somebody with a bigger piece of the pie to come in and say, you know, this was a labor of love for us, and yeah. it was totally worth it. I mean, it was shown. We had two sold-out viewings at the Sebastopol Documentary Film Festival, which is really gratifying. Um, and then it Best was, of the Fest. Best of the Fest was the biggest audience. I think how many like a couple hundred people there that night and uh you know people love patrick and brigitte you know they're definitely a team brigitte is the painter and so he he sculpts if you can use that word Uh, he does um he assembles he assembles he's you know he he takes big metal pieces and he he you know takes his blowtorch and welder whatever you want to call it and 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 you know he sees things i mean what was that uh great line about sculpting um that from rodin about you know freeing the being inside that's right so he's not chiseling stone but he has a vision (laughs) yeah and he's not a good welder he'll he'll admit he just he just he he like he he doesn't do like fine like beat like he just gets in there and goes you know a lot of grinder work yeah no but it's part of his 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 it's like his flair you know his style it's part of his art and i was just talking to his wife um because i was filming some stuff for them and because she does all the painting i said how long does it take you to paint uh Whenever you're doing this, and she's like, I, I spend twice as long on on these sculptures as Patrick. Really? So, yeah. So, <laughs> she, so now that see now that brings up a question because they're very Technicolor, you know, lots she of different colors. She does all the painting. Yeah. And is it she's done with talented. an airbrush or no? No, she, she paints hand by hand. Everything. Brush, paint. Yeah. Yeah. She. They, if you look at those sculptures, there's a lot of painting going on. It's like it's it's he's basically building the canvas for her. Right, right. Yeah, that's really well put. Yeah, I mean it's this it's this incredible complementary team where yeah. he has this vision and he puts this thing together and then she kind of pushes it over the finish line with her painting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. Yeah. So that brings the next question: What happens after a number of years and the rust starts to show up? He actually. He, I, I'm, I always hear him say, "Oh, I got to go back over there." I'm going. Uh, uh, actually, every twice now, he's going back to Canada to touch up the carousel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he's always talked about how he has to go and do a touch up here and there. He, he'll go back and paint things. 
So that, that's pretty cool. Guys, yeah. yeah. Although I think now he's getting to the point where it's kind of becoming, he has so many pieces out there where he'll <laughs> say like, well, you know, the rust is part of the piece, it's part of the art, it's part of the age, because I don't think he can keep up with it. I would think it'd be well, hard. Yeah, he so. did change, um, when we were filming him, we learned so much about it. He, he changed his technique on how he painted things uh, after a while so he, to paint things more to last. Yeah. So like, so a lot of his touch-ups are like some of his early sculptures that when he was first starting out, they they just use whatever paint they had. But and now now he's got like a sanding booth. Like he, like, you know, he does a lot lot more quality work. So uses auto paint or what? Um, uh, you know, yeah, they do some kind of lacquer yeah, or they, enamel. I don't or? know what the exact he type does, of paint, but yeah. I do know that they do use um, sprayers and put base coats and do they, they do yeah. a lot more quality work now. Right, yeah. so to, right. they do them to last. That's why I used an aluminum boat the first time. Yeah. <laughs> so, in addition to learning about uh, the process of creating the art as you were there, mm-hmm. what did you learn about the process of making the documentary? Was this a qualitatively different job in that it was multi years? Well, there was no there was no treatment um, written, so this was like a uh, seat of the pants, just wing it. Let's just film. Oh, I heard you had a plan. No, I didn't have a plan. Michael, said, wait a minute. <laughs> I've got it recorded. This. You no, said we, I, we made a plan. The yes. plan. The only plan, plan we had was yeah. The only plan we had is when we were meeting, what time, to, <laughs> and then it was just like. Because we would literally walk. If you've seen this place, it's kind of like a magic oh, yeah. castle yeah. compound thing. So you you like walk in and open the the gates, and then you're like wondering what you're to expect with them. You we didn't go there knowing okay we're going to be shooting this thing right over here. It was like we just walked in, and whatever happened happened. So it was there was no planning. There was we didn't have any treatment written. We basically did it backwards. Yeah, I mean, I, I just wanted to add the only planning really was. Um... I'd say we had elements like we wanted to have interviews with Patrick and Brigitte. We did that. Right. We wanted to watch them make some of the figures from start to finish so viewers could see junk turned into art. So we captured some of that. But a lot of it was serendipitous. I mean, I wanted to try and go shoot after they. So they spent three years building here in Sebastopol. We missed the first few months, but we got most of it. Mm-hmm. And then they took everything apart. They put it in a truck. They shipped it to Toronto. Um the suburb called Markham, and then they got and then to got in their van and followed the truck. Took it out, and I had really hoped to go to Toronto and shoot the installation. Um, it was a hard hat area; they weren't letting outsiders in. And luckily, um, the developer's company had somebody filming that, so they were able to give us some film of the whole construction process. And we took like six minutes of time lapse and we condensed it into about a minute. Mm. So that was part of the film, too. So we have that bridge from, I mean, I, you know, I was able to, um, Eric couldn't go one day. So I, I shot the truck leaving mm-hmm. Sebastopol. Right. Um, and then they sent us some footage of the whole construction process. So we have like a minute of time lapse that documents the entire construction of the carousel in in uh, Markham. And then um, the last part, Eric wasn't able to go to Canada, so I went being a total novice, shot some stuff. <laughs> um, it worked out. I mean, the sound wasn't perfect. The sound was a little rough. <laughs> <laughs> but we salvaged it. Yeah, but you can fix that in editing, But we right? have, yeah. like, you know, we have the launch of the carousel. We have the first kids getting on the carousel and spinning around and right. having a great time. Right. And we have, you know, the festivities for the opening day, which was Canada Day, Canada's Independence Day, which is July 1st. We did and have to put subtitles for the opening because the sound was a little bit... Well, I thought it was in French. I assumed, just assumed it was in French. Oh, well, no, Toronto's yeah. English yes, it was, speaking. It was French. It was French. <laughs> <laughs> but that was actually pretty fun doing the subtitles, right? Like, well, that wasn't, that actually was before I shot. That was the mayor. 
the mayor's No, that's what I'm talking about, the mayor thing. Yeah, they yeah. gave us that footage, too. Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't, yeah, yeah. No, no, I'm not saying that you did that. I'm just saying <laughs> that we, we, we got to do subtitles. Because with, the sound wasn't yeah. the best. I yeah. thought, yeah. I thought that was fun. Right. Yeah. So yeah. let's talk about your tasks, because they obviously shifted over time. You 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 ended up, you started out as the videographer I guess we'll call it. Well, I yeah I did all the video and except uh, what you didn't do. Yeah, I, I did. I would say of the principal photography, <laughs> I I did ninety percent. Okay. Right. Right. Yeah, Eric has a you know he's a filmmaker. I, he has a real camera. I did the principal photography. You are the principal. photographer. <laughs> <laughs> um, IMDb, wake up! Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's a. It's a fascinating process to try to make a film that you don't know how it's going to end because we had no idea if he was going to pull this off. I mean, he had been paid to do this, but it was a tremendous project. Would the carousel work? Would they get it done? You know, would, would Patrick's art function on a carousel? Would they be able to transport it? And then there was this whole drama for like six months where they weren't getting permits because there were safety concerns would, from the Canadian yeah, governments. Yeah. So the provincial government, the national government, they all had to sign off on this thing um, to allow, you know, it's kids' lives. You don't just let kids ride Sitting anything. on rusty so, metal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, he did a really, really good job of making those things safe. Like, yeah. I mean, he, he would check over them constantly and then even che- checked over them when they installed it. And uh, I don't think anybody's gotten hurt on it yet. No, and there's like low seats for... Uh, like disabled people can ride it. You don't have to jump up on a horse and go up and down. There's some stationary seats. So it was really thoughtful. Well, yeah, done. and places to w- roll a wheelchair on it as mm-hmm. well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's government intervention again. So right, I was going to ask that question because my that was an obvious, yeah, obvious thing to well, think they, about. They, they built they like everything. Yeah, they finally they, got all their permits. I mean, the building that they built for this thing was probably like three million dollars. Oh, more. It was crazy. Like the the building is like. I it's guess this, it was an art piece in itself. Yeah, it's this beautiful glass and steel modern uh, building. Um, the guy who commissioned it is head of this development company in Canada, so they're right. deep-pocketed. and uh, It's part of that development. And it's like a centerpiece of the yeah. development. He wanted, as Patrick tells it, um, you know, he wanted one of Patrick's big pieces, and that's when Patrick said, hey, how about if I do a carousel? I've always <laughs> wanted to do a carousel. And the he thought of the little one. Yeah, they thought of the little one yeah, in no, front of the... Yeah, 50-foot diameter. I mean, it's a real... It's a real carousel. A real carousel. Yeah, it's just like yeah. you'd see in an amusement park. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, as a writer, how do you work primarily? Do you, do you, I know you interview a lot of people, but then you make your pieces from that. So you've got a structure and beginning, middle, and end kind of thing you're working with. And this is yeah. seat of the pants, right? Right. That was a yeah. It was a very different process. I mean, exactly like when I write, you know, for a newspaper or magazine, I do the reporting. I kind of. Think about structure, you know, do I want a straight lead? Do I have more anecdotal lead? You know, I, I do all these things and, you know, I cobble together scenes and I try to get the ending to reflect back on the beginning. This was, let's just film and it'll be interesting. You know, Patrick and Brigitte were both fascinating characters. And one thing I learned as an interviewer is more important than structure ultimately for this kind of a project is interesting subjects, you know. And well, the, the only problem with that from my end is. When you shoot and shoot and shoot, you got all this footage. It means you have to go through all that footage. And that was kind of the frustrating part when we started editing is just having to go through tons and tons of footage. And, like, you know, it, it just – it by doing the seat of the pants basically made this huge mountain of work at the end, and you know, instead of evenly spacing the work out. So there's a huge challenge for sure. And for um, 
Michael is so he's so good at writing and structuring things. He he actually, you know, I I always put on him. Okay, write something, man. <laughs> put this thing together. How are we gonna tell this story? I'll do all the. I'll do all. I'm like the. I'm like the carpenter and he's the architect. <laughs> okay, well, so really, it was so much fun working together because Eric has this cool house, you know, kind of country property outside, a country estate outside yeah. of uh, Sebastopol. And, you know, we'd be sitting in his, he had this room, uh, you know, off the main house, this, this my office. Op my operations center. Yeah, the op center. <laughs> and we just like, we'd be like grinding really hard for three hours. And then I'd go out and look know, at birds, look at birds and cows and the property next door. And it was just kind of, you know, I, I mean, I I, it was hard work, but I, I looked forward to those sessions because we always had a good time with it. I mean, it's, it's enjoyable material. Look at it. It was a lot. I mean, we had, a couple, we had a couple of fights. <laughs> <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, we, had, we only had a couple. But the good thing is we're, we're like countrymen, you know. We're both Jews, so we get along really well. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's such an interesting process because what you don't realize when you see a film is that well, maybe some people realize, but every second counts. So we'd be saying like, okay, you know, as we pan to the ceiling and we see the carousel in the mirrored reflection of the ceiling, I want people to have three seconds so they can really see what that is. And Eric's like, no, no, that's too, too long. long. <laughs> one second. And we were arguing over like a second and a half. And I was like, we're arguing over a second. And I was like... But I was usually right. I I'm not always right, but I'm never wrong. That, uh, that's from my grandfather quote. Is that a quote? <laughs> yeah. For, uh, yeah, Reuben Cohen. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Old Reb Cohen. <laughs> so we took a video an editing class together. Yeah, that's right. A long yeah. time. And long, I don't know, years ago. And you obviously stuck with it. And I made, you know, a few things for family stuff and then went on to do different things. So you got this mountain of material and it sounds like you're not editing as you go. Am I right? No. no. You wait until you get the end yeah. and it's yeah, all in the can. I, we just didn't know how the story was going to end, so it would have been really hard. I mean, it was I, like, we better get this footage and we'll worry about it later. But that, that's, that's basically That's you in an editing booth for hours then. Yeah. Or days or weeks uh -huh. or months. Yep. How long did it take? We, I, I, I think we spent, just on that 17 minutes, I would say like 70 hours maybe. The editing process or all of it? The editing did we? Yeah, probably. Because we'd meet, like, we'd take an afternoon, we'd meet from, like, 2 to 6 on a Wednesday or... Well, yeah, and don't, don't forget all the hours I was doing stuff when you weren't there. Right. Like, all right, I'll right. mess with, all right, I'll put the, I'll do this later and yeah. upload it to you to look later. No, I, it's, it's hard to imagine if you're not familiar with film how much work it really is. And that right. was an education for me as a writer. It's like, um, number one, you have to collaborate when you make a film. You right. know, writing is a one-man, one-person show, mm -hmm. usually. Um. <laughs> so can you tell a visual way for our listeners to understand the different tracks that you're working with, the, the visual tracks, the audio tracks, et cetera, and how you mix them together? Well, Just yeah, picture the board and describe yeah, it. Yeah, well, basically, you, have your, your, you bring in your video, which has like a scratch track, which is basically the, the audio that's on board the camera. And then you have a different sound. You know, you have your... Um, uh, a lot of times we actually put, had the, the lavalier go directly into the camera because we could have multiple cameras in there. So you'd have the sound separate, and then so you'd have to bring that in. And then um, before, now you can actually do this thing with, you can actually hit a button and synchronize, and the clips will pull itself together. Really? Uh, with the sound. It's I pretty like sweet. That. It's on okay. Premiere, and it's, it's, it's crazy. They call, it's like, um, you, you literally, you hit sync, and it'll just... It's like an amazing that, tool. That's the Adobe suite, right? Yeah, Adobe. Yeah, yeah I switched from Final Cut a while back. Um, Adobe Premiere is amazing. So, uh, yeah, so then all the tracks are in, and then 
Okay, uh, now let's go. We got to remember doing this visually oh, right, right, over visually. the air. So a track, you're looking at like a screen. And right, so has, you're looking at a it, screen. It has horizontal lines on it. Correct. Each one is a different track. Right. Yeah. And like, for instance, when you use two cameras, you've got a camera for each track Correct. and then an audio for each of those cameras if they had audio. Right. So you, you, you could have up to 20 different tracks on for one. one um, you could have like your text credit track. Then you could have a, a music, like you're, you're bringing in music from a different source. And mm -hmm. then under that's the, the good audio from from your uh, lavaliers or your boom mic. And then, then you have your, obviously, your video track with the scratch track. And then you, you might have uh, other other things in there, like motion, different things. There's, there's subtitles. Some, yeah, right. subtitles. Or, or if you cut to like a, um, a photograph. So in the photograph, you you might have effects to make it look like the photograph's slightly moving, that, that Ken Burns style, yeah, yeah, kind of stuff like that. Pan and shoot, right, right. Interesting. I hope everybody understood that. If you didn't, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> if you didn't, there, there's lots of stuff online to to check it out. Um, all of these things don't have to be this complicated. If you're making everyone who's listening at home is making their own videos and they yeah. want to have uh, that, you know, using two cameras at the same time and two. Audio inputs at the same time is not that difficult to edit at home. So right. my biggest advice is pre-production, is to have everything sorted out before you do any shooting or any editing. The more pre-production you have, the easier it is. So I mean, if you have, you know, most most video shoots, everybody everything's down to a T. What what's going to be done? All the shots are already picked out ahead of time. It's really hard to do that in a run and gun documentary, obviously, because okay. you're just like running and gunning. So, but if you really want to be make it easy on yourself pre-production so let's do a contrast have you done other uh, documentaries that had the pre-production layout yes yeah so talk about that a little bit um yeah so i i did one uh called meet utopia i and um we had it all planned out everything that we wanted to do as far as what animals we wanted to shoot the interviews the um we we filmed like a couple different slaughters we 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 hung out with the the, the mobile butcher guy so everything was all planned out Right. Basically. Now, by everything, let's give we. This is our chance to learn from the masters or some. Well, I'm not a master. Believe me, I. I honestly the the I, good amateurs. I I decided I went to Sundance, ten years ago, and I've always been into photo, photo photography and video and stuff, and I was like half the movies. I was like, I could do this. What the heck? I this is not. And so I I went home and I uh, found a, a buddy of mine that's in the filmmaker, and I just picked his brain, and, I, and I've been doing it ever since. So it's like. I, I'm a late bloomer. Right. Yeah. No, but, but Eric has a really good ability to just like, I want to figure this out. And he'll go online and he'll be like, you know, how do you merge these two things? Or, I mean, I just, you know, I'm a total Luddite. So yeah. I'd like to learn more about this, but it's very hard for me. But Eric is like, no, I'm going to figure this out. And and uh, he's really, yeah. I mean, I, we, we were kind of learning a lot of some of the techniques while we were making the film. And uh, it was cool to watch. So you were listed as producer as well as camera in, in Canada. Yeah. So what other hats did you wear? <laughs> well, there were really only two of us. We did have a third person help quite a bit. Um, well, I'm trying to think of boom mic, for instance. Did you hold that? I, I did whatever I was asked to do. But in terms of producer, I mean, that was more like just trying to – we were able to get a little funding. You know, I worked on Patrick's agent saying this will be good for Patrick's career. And so he he helped us a little bit with funding and just like – Connecting with people in Canada at that developer um, who uh, gave us some of the footage that we were able to incorporate in the film, stuff right, like that. Right. 
But uh, really, it was a two-man band. And, you know, with a little help from uh, Randy, who was the former director at the time, he was just about to become director of this Fastball Documentary Film Festival. Right. Randy Hall. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. Um, so and he, he gave done, us some he'd, advice. He's done but, documentaries himself. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah about yeah. the milk thing. Right. Yeah. Right. yeah. So um, uh, other hats? I mean, we. what else did we do? We did everything. Yeah. Well, okay. Oh, he was craft service a couple times. Okay. Yeah. You get, What's that? <laughs> craft service, the people that feed people. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, go get me a sandwich. I'm busy. <laughs> At least he's not listed on the credits as the honey wagon, right? No, right. Uh, so. Or the key grips, uh, whatever. I don't even know. When I see a movie, I don't even know what half of those titles mean. Like Best Boy. Or... I have a, I have a video about that out there oh, somewhere. Yeah, okay. you can look I'd like it to up. watch that. It's, it's called uh, Many Hats, I think, so it's not hard to find. Okay. You were listening to Word by Word, conversations with writers on North Bay Public Media, KRCB-FM. Today's show features insider insight on creative and shooting documentaries from filmmakers Michael Shapiro and Eric McIntyre, the co-directors of Junkyard Alchemist, the celebrated short film featuring Sebastopol's internationally acclaimed junk artist Patrick Amiot and Brigitte Laurent. Breaking news. We've just heard from the filmmakers that their wonderful 17 full entire 17 minute documentary is now available on Amazon Prime at just look on Amazon Prime just right look it up, okay okay well same thing and at the end on Vimeo V I M E O all right so you're looking forward to doing either of this you're going to transform this into feature length oh. now let's go before we do that let's go back a step so you've got a documentary, and you know it's coming together, and you assume it's going to be done by, we'll pick a date, May, right? So you look online and say, oh, my gosh, this will be perfect. We'll put in applications for such and such film festivals. Obviously, Sebastopol, because you had a, you already knew them. But you've been in others. So tell us the process. Now you've got a film. You've done the show. You've got it, you're putting it together. But you must have to think ahead because you want to get it out there. Yeah, well, we – so the – the Sebastopol Documentary Film Festival actually heard that this was in process, and they said a couple of years ago, our 10-year, 10th anniversary festival is coming up. We'd love to have this. So at that point, we were trying to decide between short and full feature, and we knew we could do a short in time for that doc film fest. So we did that, and then we got the advice that if you're going to do a full feature, maybe pull back and don't really put it out there until you're ready with the full feature. So we we did the Sebastopol Doc Fest. We had a couple of showings after that, but... Um, we're kind of in this decision process of do we try to get the short out more? I just went to the Petaluma Short Film Festival and they sounded interested in having us submit. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, you know, do we do that or do we kind of wait and see what our next step is going to be? Because I think we could do a full feature, but it's just a matter of time and, and, you know, do we have the time and can we find some backers to do it? So how do you monetize this um, independently made, uh, what did you say, something gun, what did you call it? You, you're shooting on running gun. Running gun. Thank running you. Gun. How, how do you how do you get that so that it uh, pays for itself, at least itself, not for your time? Well, I mean, in my mind, I think this project is a stepping stone to a, a, a project that can make us money, and uh, we we actually have a, a new project with Patrick that it's been negotiated and is going to happen. So um, I I, th- I think this is just giving us some. For me, I feel it's it's given us a little bit of credibility to get money to do a bigger project with him. Um, I think you're pretty much, and you know, the, as far as finishing the other film, I would love to do that, but 
we would actually need money where I could not do my regular day job right, for a while. Right, and right. that's just that's just all really is holding us back on that. Mm-hmm. Um, so Well, there's there's other parts to think of it because documentaries are tough nuts to sell to independent you know, as independents. Yeah. So you want to be picked up by a, a distributor, right? That's the goal. That's the hope. Or, or you get underwritten you know, by, you know, some TV sh- like you know, channel. Or yeah. Well, right. see, that, I, yeah. I personally believe that this project that's coming up will make it so we can come back and finish that project. I Because I think... Yeah, why don't you talk... Can you talk about the project yet? Can I talk about the project yet? Certainly. <laughs> um, so I, I've actually become pretty good friends with Patrick, and so we have a really good rapport, as Michael does. And... Um, I just had this. I love traveling. I've traveled all over the world multiple times, um, as Michael has, and I've always dreamed of doing like a travel show. And so I, I was like, oh my god, what if I just had Patrick go to some crazy city somewhere in the world and just follow him around collecting junk in in Shanghai and and building sculpture there with the inspiration of the city and all this stuff. And, and so my, you know, when I come with ideas, it's like just exploding in my mind. I'm, so I'm like. So I'm like, oh, my God, then we could do like six cities all around the world and blah, 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 blah. So I approached him. I, I'm, I, I was pretty nervous because I, I kind of think if you don't say something to him in the correct way, he'll just say no, like, like swat you away. So I, I got the courage up and I presented it to him and his wife was heard it and she is why we're doing it because she because <laughs> he, he he saw that she got excited and so then he got excited and let's do it and um so he he has agreed to do at least do the first one to see how it goes and um we already kind of have he wants to do oslo norway oh um because he, he that's has a, a good choice it is a good choice yeah. um for one, he's got a connection there with with this guy over there that's all connected to the the city and is possibly willing to pay for the sculpture at the end of it to fund our project. Well, there's sculpture all over the city. Right. You know, the big sculpture guy, Viglund's. Viglund you know, is yeah, incredible, yeah. It's incredible. But there's yeah. individuals at each square. It's right. But where's everywhere. the junk, though? I heard it was a pretty clean city. It, well, <laughs> there, there is that, but there's the sorting places before it gets. Right. And maybe people's, like in the outskirts, people's old farmhouses with junk in a thing. You know, I mean, just I'm sure it's just like anywhere on the planet. So, but he, you know, he's been known to actually pay for some of his stuff. Like he'll 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 buy some. I mean, he doesn't spend a lot of money, but he he will buy stuff. So it's not like it's a strict rule where it's just clay. Well, he has to pay the scrap value. Something. Yeah, right. sure. stuff like okay. that. So like he'll go to an auto wrecking yard and he'll buy an old door of something, you know, for twenty bucks. Yeah, or he'll buy like a, that kind of stuff. A pair of tail lights that become right. eyes on a right. sculpture, right. things right. like right. that. That's the yeah. the eyes on the cat. So yeah. that yeah. that so that yeah. So so the idea is to go there for two weeks, rent a house and a shop, and have a translator with, with a truck. And first four days you get there, he, he tra- travels the city, gets inspired, and then starts. And then obviously pre- this is where pre-production comes in is we'll have places that we know about where he can kind of go and check out the junk and pick stuff and throw Not it in the Not to truck. tell you what to do, but have him take, yeah, him, to do, take him to the uh, Viking Ship Museum. Before he begins to build oh, for something. inspiration, my God, that is astounding. Well, he's that's that totally is right up his alley. Right, it is absolutely, absolute sheer beauty. I I could picture him doing some Viking, yeah, and all, yeah. All his, his style and stuff. The other like thing that. is big. Is of course trolls are everywhere. You're right. gonna find these huge, you know, eight foot trolls standing around. Well, so, there you yeah. go. You just got you just got a job, Gil. <laughs> <laughs> well, I go back to Norway anytime. Troll hunter. You need to be the troll. Look at the troll specialist. Troll right. hunter. <laughs> troll, well, hunter. troll whisperer. That's a fun movie, by the way. Not not to plug a movie here. Oh, trolls. Troll hunter. 
Troll Hunter? You've not seen that? Is it, oh, no, I've never heard oh of it. Oh my gosh, go find it. How it's old actually is it? A movie it's, called no, Troll maybe Hunter? four years, five years. It's not Trolls by. Um, no, no, no. Not, Troll Hunter. Troll Hunter. It's about a man <laughs> who hunts trolls for the government. <laughs> Whoa. And there's an election coming. No, he makes them, them just turn into stone. Using okay. some different anyway. Spoiler alert. We're on, I know we're on an, here. I know there's no, a that, orc uh, movie. Yeah, uh, you gotta find that. I mean, <laughs> okay. boy, yeah. All right, Troll, Troll Hunter. Hunter. Troll Hunter. Yeah. See, you learn things back right. and forth there. This is what happens when you sit down with a film columnist. We we do this kind of thing. Hmm. <laughs> I love talking about movies. So that's your next project. Now, you as a travel writer are going to get some pieces out of this at the same time, I assume. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. I mean, if if uh, if I get to Norway, I'll you know I. Love to be involved in this project, and I will come back with stories. Hopefully, I mean, my process usually as a travel writer is to pitch my editors before I go for somewhere, either on this project, because I have written for two or three magazines about Patrick, including Sonoma Magazine here, right. which is part of the Press Democrats right. company. I read you in, what did I read you in? Something. Yeah, yeah. there should be a lot of opportunities for my But yeah, and... but I, I'd also be interested in trying to do something else, you know, unrelated to the project as well, if I'm there, um, and if time allows. Visit you know, time. Go where, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Take the uh, Herzogerton ship mm-hmm. along the coast. <laughs> That's the, the oh, ship that delivers and, mail that also takes yeah, passengers. Yeah, it goes in and out. Yeah, yeah it's fun. And the water is unbelievable. And we think yeah. we have clean water here. Oh, no. Oh, I've swum in down. the North Sea. Yeah, well. Between between Pearl Jam and Neil Young at a, chi- at, a at a concert on an island off the the coast of Oslo. Fun. Incredible. Fun. 1993 Beautiful. summer. And if you did but, what I did, I went back and do you remember the Vikings movie? You know, probably it's before your time. I don't know. There's this wonderful You're scene. talking about with Kirk Douglas? Kirk Douglas. Love that movie. And the the ship comes in the fjord and they walk along the, you know, the oars and so we had to, I had to go search out all those places <laughs> and and you can. It's yeah. great. I, I wanted to mention um some of the other cities I'm thinking of is uh-huh. uh, Cape Town, South Africa. That would be cool, too. Rio de Janeiro. That also. Shanghai. You notice that each one, you, I'm not sure Shanghai is it. Cause it's pretty, well, there's pretty junk, it's a pretty junky, junky yeah. dirty But city. I don't remember sculpture in the city. Well, they, then they're going to get one. <laughs> <laughs> also, they need uh, it. Uh, right. Bangkok, and be, just because I love Thailand. And that city has got so much character. You've got to at least spend one night in Bangkok, right? I, I have spent many nights in Bangkok. And then the last city would be Mumbai. Oh, that would be cool. Yeah. Mumbai, well, you know, there's sure. the, then you've got that wonderful tie-in, sir, as the journalist, of the recycling issue mm-hmm. right? at each of those cities. Yeah. Yeah. And with I Norway mean, it could, and, it could lend London. itself to like a series of six shows and then maybe Absolutely. a single doc comes out of it with scenes from each city with the, you know, the overarching theme of how different places treat junk and recycling and how they respond to art made from that. And I mean, there's a lot of possibilities. So yeah. when you're on the Travel Channel with this, let us know in the That's future. That's where I was okay. hoping we'd be there, Gil, yeah, yeah. on the Travel Channel. That would be pretty dang good. Or National Geographic. Yeah. yeah. Michael's got those connections. He'll get yeah. us on there. Okay. Yeah, just he, like he, that. <laughs> Excuse he, me, I have a show for you. Okay, yeah, we love it. We, we love <laughs> it. We'll send Little Bear in to get him. <laughs> so you're all excited and going forward and doing new things. Great. Um, I have a question for you as a man who goes around and figures out the values of houses. <laughs> now, this is going to be a, a, seriously an interesting question that came up when my wife and I were talking this morning in the hot tub. And it is, how do you... Put in the fact of this firestorm, which changed everything overnight in the values of places and the the scarcity. Right. Well, actually, it was pretty crazy. Um, 
one of the first things I did for one of my banks I worked for is I they sent me out and I had to do a disaster inspection. I had to look at their entire portfolio. Okay, let's stop. We got to give a little background here. Yeah. So what what do you do when you oh, appraise? When I'm not a principal photographer, <laughs> <laughs> I'm a, I, I've been a real estate appraiser for 20 years. I just hit my 20th year. That's uh, so I tell people how much their houses are worth. No, um, but I I have made a lot of people's dreams come true, and I've destroyed a lot as well. All right. On that note, so <laughs> you, so you work for banks and other funding yeah, sources. I, yeah, I do a lot. I do a lot of um, bank related appraisals, but I also do private for like estates or you know family deaths or divorces or you know those kinds of things. So following up on the firestorm, what yes. did you do? Oh, so, so what the um, like you're saying the scarcity happened real quick. All of a sudden, there was just nothing for sale for a second because literally. All the people up in the the affluent areas where the fire was started just snatching up all available houses on the market. Um, so that immediately we saw like a, like a percent, a, quite a. I'm not going to say a number because I don't want to quote a number, but uh, I've heard 15. I, yeah, okay, that's what I was going to say. Uh, approximately 15 percent, and right away things got put on the market and were sold. So very quickly, I had comps. So I had comparable sales to prove the the the, the increase in uh, you know the appreciation I had immediately. So it wasn't it it wasn't really a problem for uh, pr providing you know an a accurate appraisal. Um, it was just like watching a, t a tidal wave come, and you you were you I was safely far enough away from it, and I was able to do the right thing right away. Yeah. So I have I've been doing a lot of land sales, which is kind of interesting because a lot of people. That this lost, is the property that's left after the yeah, house is removed. A lot of people are just like, no, don't want to rebuild, and took the insurance money and went and did something else with it, and then just sold the lot. So and so the opportunity, there's all these like opportunities for investors now. That it's it's actually been creating a really strong economy. It's like every construction person I in know in Sonoma County. Yeah, it, oh, yeah, it's crazy. Like the, there's so much construction work right now. It's it's. Like it's almost impossible to hire a carpenter now, and carpenters are making way more money than when I I was a carpenter in my twenties, and I I think I topped out at like twenty bucks an hour. That's like what the the cleanup guy gets now. Yeah. <laughs> Fifty bucks an hour, right? Yeah, yeah. it's crazy. Yeah. yeah, we were gonna do our deck and fence. You know that was our plan. We were gonna do our deck and fence this spring, but nobody's around. You know they don't. Nobody wants to do a deck and a fence when they can build a you know a whole house. Right. So we'll wait a year on that. No big deal. So what's but, the impact going to be about these uh, granny units things that was in the paper this morning? I didn't read the that. granny <laughs> units on the on a property. Does that add value to the property or absolutely? Okay. Yeah, I, I mean anything has a contributory value, as we say. Um, even illegal grannies do have a contributory value because whether it's legal or not, the 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 market reaction is still favorable because people still are willing to pay money for it because now the rental market's so crazy like you could rent you could rent a little granny out for like 2200 bucks now so it actually does come into play a granny unit or an in-law or a guest unit whatever you want to call it it does give you know the place more value yeah but what happens sure. if you've got a neighbor who's filling his yard with junk and making a big carousel <laughs> <laughs> well actually you know i can tell you what happened the the neighbor of patrick's neighbor you're not gonna believe, he built a barn that was almost three stories within like five feet of the back of, of Patrick's Is that pump. why that's there? Yeah. Oh. And you know what Patrick did? He stacked- He built a, a sculpture <laughs> that was 55 feet. No, he stacked a whole bunch of shipping containers and made this like shipping container uh, 
palace and uh, like has all kinds of artists in them and stuff now. So it was like this weird little battle. <laughs> Just to clarify, this is not Patrick's home in downtown Sebastopol. This no, is no, his, no. his studio about two miles south of town. I know where it is. County. I pass yeah. it all the time. Yeah. Yeah, because that's yeah. where I live is down that way. Yeah. Yeah. All right. See all the things we find out about it. Yeah. I just wanted to mention one more thing about Patrick, if I could. Um, sure. So um, my latest project, I just signed a book deal a couple of weeks ago with Traveler's Tales, which mm-hmm. published my first book, a collection right. of interviews with travel writers. This one is tentatively titled The Creative Spark, and it will contain interviews and like mini biographies about all sorts of creative people. So Patrick will be one of the 30 or 35 people I profile, and it's going to be musicians, authors, artists. You don't even um, have to travel more than 50 miles to find all these people either. Well, a lot of them I've already interviewed uh-huh. for either newspapers or magazines, but I'll, there's a few more who I haven't been able You know, Francis Ford Coppola is here in the right, county. Right. Um, I mean, there's you know, I did interview him once. Uh, I want to expand that if I can get another interview with him, but he's Talk hard. about a film editor, Vivian Hillgrove. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I know Vivian. I actually spent some time with her because I helped with some of the bumpers for uh, the film festival years mm-hmm, ago, mm-hmm. And, she, and she was helping me out. She's really cool. Yeah, she worked on Amadeus and other. What are bumpers? Oh, you know, like little, um, like little, like quick videos in between the movies that talks about the film festival, or mm-hmm. has some like little bubbles come across the screen or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they bump. They added what is it, thirty seconds yeah. or whatever, to the showing time. Yeah. See all this stuff. <laughs> Got to learn all this different tech. Well, that sounds exciting. Yeah, yeah. I'm very, very gratified to work on the project because. You know, I've reached a stage in life where I occasionally look back and say, what am I doing? And well, so, <laughs> what's your timeline for that? Um, well, Do you have a deadline already? Yes, I do. it's a fall of 2019 book. Okay. My deadline is next January. Uh, so I have to write all the intros. And it, typically, it starts with like about three pages of mini, like a mini biography yeah. about each yeah. person. And then it's Q&A. And then with authors, sometimes there'll be a like what we call a pull quote, like 150 words from their own work. So people get an example of like what Amy Tan's writing is like mm-hmm. for some reason they haven't right. read hers things like that so um yeah the first book did well and and uh that was a while ago and so I'm, I'm really looking forward to this project because it kind of brings together a lot of what I've done with um an overarching theme of where these people find their creativity you know what what makes them tick what makes them want to create what you know why are they makers as we say here in Sonoma County and, and now all around the, the country. What you know, what inspires them to to do things that not everyone does, you know, to, to, to see art where other people don't see it, or to express themselves in a song, or to to write a book that moves people emotionally. Where does that come from? Well my, I always think it's interesting that people when you talk to them, they remember that teacher. Oh yeah. Yeah. That that sparked. Or they remember the grandparent who said, you can do it, you can mm-hmm. do it. You know, it's, Encouragement, I think, is yeah, a key thing. Yeah. You know, people who, from a young age, were encouraged to, to do things that maybe weren't you know, on the beaten track as much, but they just were passionate about. And they, and they got that encouragement from parent, grandparent, teacher, you know, uncle. All right. Yeah. Well, we've got a filmmaker sitting in the room who told us a few minutes ago that he just became inspired and said, I've got to do this, you know, after seeing movies. Yeah, yeah, and and I I've always been in the media ever since I was a little kid. Old 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 time movies, you know, all, all of it. That's why I was able to go. Oh yeah, the Kirk Douglas movie. Right. Um, old yeah, time I, movie. That was the movie that was playing when oh, sorry, uh, my Gil. high school sorry, opened Gil. up. So you know, it's, <laughs> I'm, young, I'm I'm young. That's I graduated why, high school '89. That's why they're the Mills Vikings <laughs> is because of that movie. Well, know? can I say one more thing? Um, 
if somebody wants to see the, uh, the at least the trailer for Junkyard Alchemist, they could just go to junkyardalchemist.com. Yeah, and it's a nice little piece. Yep. Yeah, that's the trailer. And then we are um, deciding, I think soon we will have it available either on Vimeo or Amazon. Uh, you Prime. can see the whole Amazon Prime, yeah, yeah. for the full 17-minute film. Good. Yeah. So. Now, on Amazon Prime, you get paid for those shots? Yeah, actually, I think you, you get like... Per use, I think it is. <laughs> maybe like... An eighth of a point, cent. Point three, yeah, quarters of a cent. <laughs> it, it does add up over time, but yeah. you need millions. Yes. yes. Yeah. Maybe one of my great, 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 great grandchildren can make 20 bucks. So two <laughs> things for you for the future. When that comes up and people can see it, let us know, and we'll put it in as one of the at the end of one of the shows. Okay. Oh, cool. And the other thing, when you get your book out, was you say January nineteen? Uh, it's due in January. It'll be a fall of nineteen. Fall of nineteen. So okay. Be out Let me know when you're gonna, you know, before it's Definitely. coming out, and we can Absolutely. talk again. Because I'm assuming you're gonna do some, some book uh, events. Oh, yeah. 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 Yep. Cool. And I'd be interested to know who you pick. Yeah. Well, I'll I'll come back and tell you all about it when it's done. <laughs> okay. Great. Yeah. See, we're planning ahead. We got to do that. Yeah. All right. So, um, what do you need to know now about making a movie? What would you know? You've done it this way, and you'd see to the pants, and it's seventy hours in the editing booth, and or whatever you called your room, my uh, operation center, operation center, um, and not seeing anybody all the time, and drinking lots of coffee. I guess, right? Uh, actually, I drink yerba mate. Okay. Yeah. There's a plug. <laughs> <laughs> we just made more than we're going to make on the whole film. <laughs> yeah. That. Actually, I, one of the films I want to do is called The Story of Mate. That's how much I, I like would Mate. like to know that because yeah. I get all these various, uh, you know, shamanistic answers to that question. Yeah, I, I actually know a lot about Mate because I'm, um, I actually did a little uh, some filming for uh, a Yerba Mate company in Brazil and Argentina, so I got to go down and actually like see where it comes from and um, check out the indigenous people that harvest it and all this kind of crazy stuff. Cool. Some other show. Yeah. <laughs> so how do you how do you decide uh, I'm going to spend time on this? On the Mate? project, whatever project, um, what what I have a tips list of the projects. Balance. I, I have a list of projects that I, I I I over the years I've come up with some project ideas like I want to make a movie about Mate one day, put it over there on that shelf. I want to uh, you know make a movie about meat, put it on that shelf. You know, um, and now right now we're been caught up with Patrick, so that's pretty much the front front runner at this point. Yeah. Yeah. So you're traveling, I assume, with Patrick when he's doing all these installations to do the photography and stuff. Is that the plan? Are you talking? Are you talking about if this other one takes if it off? Pans out, yeah. sure, we would go. You know, right? I mean, that's the plan. Go to Norway. Go to. Oh yeah, no, no. The the my plan basically my plan is to do two a year for three years. Okay. And so that gives us plenty of time to do pre-production because I I really I really want to I actually know how to make a movie properly. I know all the sh I know how you're supposed to do it. So I, I want to okay. Let's stop. Apply that That's another one of those stops. You, you've <laughs> opened a new door. So to know and learn pre-production, where do you go? Um, well, yeah. I've re actually read. I just I've read books. I you know I've read I, I read uh, documentary filmmaking for dummies. <laughs> you know I yeah. I did I when I right after Sundance I went straight to Barnes and Noble and I bought every book about making movies possible and I read them all, and then I went then I went and I saved up. 10,000 bucks and I went and bought all the camera gear and everything you need to make it and I'm like that's it I'm a filmmaker now <laughs> you changed your business card right yeah yeah. yeah. we have our badges from the Sebastopol Doc Fest to prove uh, it yeah that's and I right. actually I have a production company it's, it's called Working Saturday Productions 
that's my that's my filmmaking. Is that what you do to, on the film? Is you work Saturdays? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you know, well, because I, I the reason I came with that is I want every day of my life to feel like a working Saturday. So you do a little work, you do a little play, and you just you don't it it, it doesn't feel like you're working. You know, that's that's where I came. That's how I came up with that. It sounds like you live in Sebastopol, <laughs> but you're in Santa Rosa, aren't you? Well, technically, technically Santa Rosa, Sebastopol School District. Really? Yeah. Oh well. Okay. Yeah, I'm at the end of the end. The, the the I'm like the last house in the Sebastopol School District. That's basically. fun. Yeah. Yeah. How old's your daughter now? Uh, Ruby's almost 17. She'll be 17 yeah, in October. Gosh, you I actually it... just left the DMV. I just left her there. Oh my! Taking her test so I can make sure I'm here on time. <laughs> this this is a, a milestone day for you. Then. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Now you get to worry at night when you, she's not home with the car. No. Now she gets to drive me around, and I, I get. To, oh. Oh. Yeah, see. I, <laughs> I get to I get to play on my phone now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is great. So you like working with each other. Yeah, it was a fun, fun project. Yeah, I looked we, forward to our times in the studio, and you know, we had some spirited debates, but it was always—I mean, yeah, we always had a good time. I mean, yeah, we've, we've been friends for what, uh, ten years now. Yeah, we've we've become like brothers. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, sure, yeah. I think um, any project I ever do, I'll, I'll ask him if he wants to do it, and vice versa. I mean, he doesn't do like I, I do music videos and stuff for fun. He no, doesn't really get in, involved with that. Thing. With that, he, he's. He's more of the public radio type of guy. You forgot to mention your best work. What's that? Your your documentary about my wedding. Oh yeah, I, <laughs> Eric I shot my wedding. I shot his wedding. I actually did pretty good. I did great. He got like a ten thousand dollar wedding video for a thousand bucks. It was a pretty good deal. <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah, he did a great job. It was a really nice document. Nice close ups and. Yeah, we had like two cameras. It was it was fun. We did it we did it documentary style. So it didn't it, it didn't it felt like a documentary instead of like right. It's not boring. For people who even even people who are not our best friends or family are like, oh, this is kind of cool to watch. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was, yeah, it was good. It was good. So when was the wedding? Uh, 2011. Okay. Yeah, six years. Well, almost seven years. Yeah. Wow. Time goes. You still you're still you're still doing good. So. Glad to be married seven years. I asked my wife. Is, the seven is, year itch. <laughs> yeah. I said, is you starting to get the seven year itch? She's like, without missing a beat. She said, oh, I started having that like three years ago. <laughs> that's that's a good comeback. Right. Uh, which ironically was seven years from when we met. Yeah. So. All right. So advice. I'm going to get each of you to talk separately. What would you say to somebody who came to you? You know, I don't know any age, fifty year old. Make it easy. Said to you, I've never made a movie. What should I do to make a documentary? Because I love this subject. Um, I would say, well, how much money do you have? That's the first thing. What's your budget? <laughs> do you have equipment? Um, Did you have a budget on this project? No. I would say. <laughs> Yeah, it was. We, in, we did. We had like a fantasy budget. Like if we, we remember we did that. and We said if we could get everything we wanted, we came out to like three hundred and twenty thousand yeah, dollars. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. then you got a pretty darn good deal then. Three hundred twenty thousand uh, dollar seventeen minute video, right? Yeah. Well, no, I I would say just if you have a really good documentary idea, just get a camera and 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 film it. And if you have time to plan it out, plan it out. But if not, just start filming and. Yeah, that's I think I that's do. key. I think you can go back and do a lot of things, but you can't go back and get footage. So just find a way to record things. And I think the thing I learned when I went solo to Canada is like really, Sounds really important. know what you're doing with sound. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I used a camera that had some sound issues and, um, 
you know, it was a little blown out. We were able to salvage most of it, but um, sound is so important. Do the sound right. Yeah. yeah. Actually, sound. if you have kind of shaky, crappy video and really good sound quality, people will think that you're doing it on purpose. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that it's gets true. back to the, the style of the film we made about Patrick is that, you know, Eric was talking about the the welding issue. Um Eric was talking about the welding issue, and and Patrick intentionally doesn't spend too much time welding. He likes kind of that rough hewn effect, and so you know even some of his guys are like, come on, Patrick, you can do better than that. And of course he can, because his guys want you know beautiful welds. All right. But Patrick's like part of his art, and that that the, the filmmaking kind of reflected that. You know, we had some beautiful shots where it's we're interviewing Patrick and it's perfectly composed, but we also had shots where. You know, he's running here and there and welding and sparks are flying and it's just... Uh, yeah, he it, actually it ruined suits... a camera. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, it, one of his weld, welding uh, sparks hit my lens and melted it. Yeah, it was like two grand. I know. Just... <laughs> <laughs> but did you use that footage of the melting? No, nah, it was one of those little things. It was just like a spark coming off. You yeah. Know? No, but yeah. It's almost like it dented the lens. Yeah, oh, yeah. We, I think we used the, we probably used the footage because we, we got a lot of... I mean, we didn't use it. It looked like a speck in the shots. Didn't it? It wasn't. We had enough other footage. A lot of visuals, right? Yeah. 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 Well, it's interesting you were talking about, and this is one of the questions, what I would suggest you do, whatever your next project is, is you get a dedicated sound person. Oh, Oh, absolutely. Oh, no, no. Part of of this new project is I am going to hire all the right guys for the job. I'm going to have, I'm I'm actually not going to do... I'm going to hire a professional camera crew, professional sound. We're we're going to do this like it's going on the Discovery Channel. We're we're not because this 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 first one is going to be the the pilot, the the sizzle reel, whatever you want to call it. So I'm I'm going to make sure that everything is dialed in. And um, I actually have a drone, so we're going to do and we'll do drone oh, cool. stuff. And, yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, we're I, I want to make sure a sound guy is key because that's what he does. You know, it's like. Well, that can save bad footage. Yeah, well, like Absolutely. I was saying, yeah. you can make bad footage look like it was done on purpose. <laughs> that uh, remember the one at the documentary film festival, the three red sweaters. Oh yeah, interview. Now that her. was all silent, you know, old uh, Super Eight stuff, mm-hmm. and she, you know, put music and and voiceover with it, and it it made a movie. Yeah, yeah. it was it was the whole thing was like ten minutes, but it was yeah. it was beautifully, beautifully done. Beautifully done. Yeah, and it was yeah. fun to see what Stinson Beach used to look like too. A lot more birds. Did you notice? I did notice a lot yeah. more birds and a lot more a lot fish. More fish and fewer people. Yeah. 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 Are you talking about the uh, three red sweaters? The egrets were the. No, no, no. This was the short. No, no. I meant you're saying instinction all the birds. Oh, there were just like huge flocks of seagulls, and they were diving for fish, and it was just. I mean, I hadn't. Yeah, egrets at that time. The only place you could find them out there was at the Audubon Canyon Ranch. Right, right, right. That's what I. That's what I remember as a kid growing up. This was on the ocean. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Right on the beach. Okay. Well, it is time to thank both of you. You have been listening to, if I get down there, word-by-word conversations with writers with today's show featuring insider insight on creating, not writing that much, and shooting documentaries from filmmakers Michael Shapiro and Eric McIntyre, co-directors of Junkyard Alchemist, the celebrated short film featuring Sebastopol's internationally acclaimed junk artist Patrick Amiot and Brigitte Laurent. The studio engineer for today's show has been Anthony Garcia, our station manager is Sean Knight. Radio coordinator is Wendy Nicholson. Podcast archivist at Mark Perl. Theme music is by Bill Conti. And I'm your host, Gil Manser. We'd like you to catch our next word-by-word broadcast from 4 to 5 on Sunday afternoon, June 10th. But until then, here are some parting words from junkyard sculpture artist Patrick Amio. 
When a hubcap has traveled on a truck for millions of miles and has seen the prairies in the winter and the hot summer asphalt, when it's done traveling with that truck and finds itself in the scrapyard and I find it, I kind of like to use that. This hubcap, or whatever piece of metal from the day it was manufactured until now, has an important history, and I like to think the spirit of all these things lived incredible lives. If they could talk to you, they could tell amazing stories. Thank you.